Hello, everyone, and welcome to the spooky first edition of the Malt House Games podcast. That caught me off guard. Don't made that. <laughs> I had no idea he was making that. That's wonderful. I just found a nice sample online on freesound.org of somebody with thunder sounds and rain, and I was like, you know what? Let's pitch change this just down a whole step. And it was like the perfect step down, slightly slow, kind of eerie, like like a haunted music box. I love it. It was perfect. And I was like, boom, there we go. That's the intro for the first episode of this Halloween. I love it because we have decided that the entire month of October is Halloween. That's exactly how it works. Before we get too far into that, though, welcome to the Malt House Games podcast. This is a podcast all about board games, tabletop games, card games, role-playing games, things of that sort. My name is Delton, I am the host, and with me, as usual, is my lovely yellow player and co-host, Haley. Hi. And wife, I left that part out. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. We're the wombo combo. You know, I haven't worn my wedding ring in like six months, because I'm at the house. And I generally take mine off when I get to work, because it falls off, and I take it off at home, because I'm home, so... (laughs) Actually, I did wear it out last weekend because we went to the grocery store for the first time in six months. First time since March, we went inside of a grocery store. It was wild, man. I loved it. It was nice. We went to Super Cow Nguyen, which is our Asian supermarket, and we were able to buy some sake and some of our favorite chips and some new chips that we couldn't normally get or you can't get anywhere else because which ones did we buy? I think they were from Thailand. They were... We got Basil Lay's. Yes. And we also got uh, those taro, taro lays, lays, which I really liked. Like it, the the chips are made out of taro. Yeah, instead of potato. It was wild, and they were purple. They were really, really good. Uh, but we were able to get some of our favorites, some things to stock up on a little bit, and we drank that whole bottle of sake plus more plus the soju the next day. <laughs> we had a lot of sake that weekend. It was wonderful. But it was nice to go to a grocery store. But at the same time, it's not something I want to do every weekend right now. Right. I mean, we have so, the the luxury and privilege of being able to have our groceries delivered. I pay fourteen ninety nine per month for Instacart delivery service, and we use the hell out of it. We use it enough that it saves us money, and it saves us money because we're not going, ooh, I want some of this. Hey, look at this. I want some of this. Which Super Cow Nguyen was completely a totally impulse buy trip. We weren't even planning on going there. We stopped by to pick up uh, my makeup at a store, and we're like, man, we miss Super Cow Nguyen. Do you want to go? Yeah, we had already ordered groceries for the weekend, so that was completely an impulse buy trip. So we got, if, if that's as much as we spend on impulse buys over the last six months, I think we're okay. I think so. But it was a lot of fun. We ate all the tofu, drank all the sake, ate all the noodles already, and we were like, oh, this will last us a while. It's been seven days. The problem is the tofu we get from there is already cooked, but when they make it, normally, you know, tofu is like soybeans and they press it together and all that. It's pressed, but there's also pieces of woodier mushroom and like bean sprout. So it's got more of a texture and a, a nice like umami flavor from the mushroom. Then we put it on my Traeger grill, which is like a smoker slash grill. So it gets that nice smoked flavor, and then we're brushing it with miso butter, which is, miso, uh, we have a, an akamiso, red miso paste, and melted butter that we mix together, obviously vegan. And zucchini. And then we put zucchini out on the grill. We have those uh, those mushrooms I really like. I can't think of the name of them. Jen Wynn calls them see you tomorrow mushrooms. They're a bunch of little bitty <laughs> mushrooms, really long stems with little round caps. And the reason why they're called see you tomorrow mushrooms is because they don't get fully digested. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. That's pretty funny. But they're delicious. They're one of the few mushrooms I can sit and eat in a dish and be like, boom, I like this mushroom. It just it depends on the mushroom and how it's served, but a giant portobello, I don't want that. But these in like ramen or with my tofu, something like that, or fried rice, I'm fine with it. 
Speaking of which, we actually found vegan ramen at Super Cow Nguyen. Lost my marbles, man. A L- little bit spicy, delicious, super high in sodium. Oh, it's all the terrible tasty, stuff tasty. that you miss and loved from childhood that we can't get because most of the ramens aren't vegan. Very true. Very good, though. It was very good. What else we do this week, Delty Poo? Haven't done a whole lot. I have been playing as much Among Us as I can. And I think that this is going to be fitting for Halloween because if you haven't heard of Among Us, it is free on cell phones to play unless you want no ads. Or it is $5 in the Steam store on PC. Among Us is a game where up to 10 people are on a crew on a spaceship. And up to three of you, depending on your settings, are imposters. And the goal of the game is all the crew have to complete all their tasks or kick out the imposters before the imposters kill everyone. And they're like sabotaging things. Super simple, super easy to play and understand, but my goodness, it's fun. I've been playing a lot with randos, and it's not as great because you're typing through text. A lot of people make decisions without talking about anything, so it's kind of hit or miss, but I did get to play one, uh, one night with our good friend Mac, who listens to the show, him and his brother and a bunch of their friends. Uh, I hopped on with them. Luckily, they had some space for me, and we played Among Us for... I don't know, a while, and it's just a blast because everybody mutes their mic because you're not supposed to talk during, go through, do everything. If someone finds a body or triggers uh, emergency meeting, everybody can talk, discuss what they saw, who went where, did they see someone kill them, where was the body, who went there last, and it's just fantastic. So I've been doing a lot of that as much as I can, as well as a lot of Magic Arena with Brian still. Haley, what have you done outside of our common tasks? I have started my winter garden. Bam, bam, bam. My bok choy and my lettuce and my uh, spinach are sprouting. So I had romaine lettuce growing this year, and I actually let one plant seed from one plant. I think I got approximately 3,000 seeds. That's an insane number. Yeah, so, I mean, I did not go through and hand count all of them, but I'm going off of whenever I ordered the seeds back in March from Burpee, uh, there were a thousand seeds in this packet, and I have at least three times as many of those seeds as what are in those packets in my little Ziploc bag right now. Nice. It was a crap ton of romaine lettuce seeds, man. That's crazy. And because it was from a lettuce that I grew in my own garden, they are hardier and more prepared to grow in my garden next year. Yep, they're used to that soil, right? Hell yeah, brother. It'll work out. It'll be good. We'll have a lot of veggies next year. Yes, we will. And this fall. Still waiting on my burpee order uh, for the rest of my vegetables and i know that the postal service is slow right now so i'm having to be patient but it's also been sitting in edmund for three days and i'm like where's my seeds right get it here now (laughs) burpee's like i traveled 1,000 miles to give you my seeds hey hey i mean the quote's really 5,000 miles but whatever it's such a great spot in that (laughs) in that movie stepbrothers quote for anyone anyone who does not know Oh, come on. Our listeners all have very refined taste. If that's refined taste, they are then cultured. I'm a genius. They are cultured. Let's have a beer. Let's have a beer. A spoopy beer. Our first beer today is from the ever-amazing Dogfish Head out of Delaware. This is their pumpkin ale. P-U-N-K-I-N ale. It is a brown ale brewed with pumpkin, brown sugar, allspice, cinnamon, and nutmeg. Do you see the alcohol percentage on that sunbuck? 7%. Sun did you see the graphic design artwork on that sound bug? Yes, it's a cute frog, owl, and mouse in like a blimp where the or a hot air balloon kind of thing, and the balloon itself is pumpkin shaped. It's so cute, and I love it. 
What a golden ale this is. It's like you can see through it. If you hold it up to your eye, you can see everything. I can see through it like you know, like those flies that are stuck in a piece of amber from like 45,000 years ago. That's what my hand looks like right now. Basically. And now it looks like you. You are you are stuck in amber from 45,000 years ago, Delton. Look there at that. There you go. It's a great color. Let's smell it. Mm. It smells like allspice. I definitely get the allspice very strongly in the smell. And it, it smells like... Like a pumpkin cheesecake. That sweetness. That sweetness, but also a little bit of the tang. That is pumpkin pie as a beer. Wow. That's very, very good. It's not overly sweet in taste, as I expected. And it's not overly spiced to where it hits you hard or anything. But it's got a nice gentle, like, feel. I feel like a lot of the pumpkin-flavored beers that we've had, like the Shafley, are very hearty beers. They are, And so, like, those ones I associate with, like, later in the season, maybe even, like, Thanksgiving. Yeah. This one is more of a crisp fall day in a glass. This is the transition beer before we hit like pumpkin uh like stouts. Yes. Like this is this is the transition from summer to fall. This is the fall yes. beer before we hit the step like porters to stouts. This is a it's still 75 degrees in October in Oklahoma beer, but we still want to be pumpkin and festive. This is really good cuz the pumpkin's yeah. so subdued. It's crisp, it's clean. I don't know, it's just really good. Dogfish head always hits the nail on the head though. Prost. That is a very, very good beer. Oh, I like this a lot. I'm glad we got it. Hell, let's skip the second beer. Just have another one of these. Right. Well, after that beer, I say let's go ahead and move in to the game part of the episode. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's it's a game. So this episode is actually going to be a two-part, two-spoopy episode. Yes, this is going to be a two-part episode. First time we've actually done something that has a continuation of sorts. And what we've decided to do, Haley and I both made a list of our top 10 games that we feel are Halloween or spooky-themed. Now, obviously, this isn't the most extensive list that we had because we don't own that many, we haven't played that many, but we had enough that it was more than 10, so we had to go through discover which ones was our each 10, merge those lists, make compromises, move things around, and now we have a finalized list. Delton says, we don't have that many games as we're sitting in a room dedicated to housing 300 board games. (laughs) Don't have that many spooky themed games. (laughs) There we go. That's what it was. So what we're going to do today is we are going to discuss five of our top 10. That's going to be the game section of this episode. We're going to go through five of our top 10 games, so 10 through 6, and then the 5 through 1 you'll get in two weeks after this episode comes out when we have the next episode. Because October is Halloween for us. We like it. It's spooky, and it starts to cool down. Everything's great. I bought six decorative pumpkins and a bat wreath for my door. I have made the full transition. We have a pact where every single TV show that we watch together is going to be something Halloween-themed or scary. Spoopy. So if we want a comedy show right now, we have been watching What We Do in the Shadows because we watched the movie recently, really enjoyed it, watching the show. Thank you, Brian, for the recommendation. And we're going to try to watch a lot of scary movies this month, some of the ones I've been missing out on. I want to finally watch uh, John Carpenter's The Thing from 82. I finally want to watch Alien and Aliens. There's so many classics I've never seen that I want to watch. Plus, uh, Delt and I were talking, no, especially this year, we really do want to you know, celebrate the holidays because we've we've been in quarantine for so long, or a lot of us have, 
And it really, it's been hard to celebrate big milestones. It's been hard to celebrate birthdays. It's been hard to celebrate Independence Day. It's been hard to celebrate Labor Day. And so as much as we can with these remaining holidays for the year, we want to decorate. We want to celebrate. We want to have our own little special traditions. And that just, you know, breaks up the year, but also makes it, it, it keeps the specialness that those holidays provide. It keeps that warmth. And so we're going to be a little more festive for the end of the year because we can, dang it. That's what we're wanting to do. So let's start with the first game on our list. Coming in at number 10, we have Mr. Jack. Mr. Jack is a two-player game that we have really enjoyed having in our collection. It is a Jack the Ripper versus Sherlock Holmes sort of game. And given that by itself isn't really Halloween spooky, but what I feel this game brings to the table of why it deserves to be on a Halloween list is because the element of sight. In this game, it takes place at night. There are street lamps that are on, and the direction people face is the direction that they can see. And like, if there's no light, they can't see anybody, obviously, and somebody does have a lantern. I feel like that adds that spooky element of somebody hidden in the shadows. Yeah, so unlike Nuns on the Run, where it's all hidden movement, technically you can see all of the movement, but your character, your little figure, can only see wherever the light is facing. Yeah, because essentially... Jack the Ripper is disguised as one of the characters that you're controlling. So you have to be careful because they're moving multiple people in a game and you have to figure out, okay, well, who are they moving where? Which one is actually Jack the Ripper versus not? It's a very cool game. It's very simple to play, but it's always interesting and fun. And I just love the aspect of one of these people is bad and the way that they look, the light that they look, the direction they're walking, you have to analyze everything. And it just feels, it has that nice spooky feel, I think. I think so too. I really like the, that you're, you're at night and you're investigating. I don't know. Anytime there's mystery or any kind of intrigue, uh, I feel like anything that gives you like that little bit of anxiety or anticipation, that's kind of what Halloween gives you. So it gives yeah. you like those same like <laughs> feelings. I think so. I think so. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a therapist and I can't tell you the name <laughs> of the <laughs> feeling. It should be on the feelings wheel. How are you says, feeling Ooh. today? <laughs> I think that's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So coming in at number nine on our list is going to be Pumpkin Patch Bad Seeds. By Brouhaha Games. Yes, and Travis. We backed this on Kickstarter, and it's a simple little card game where essentially you're playing pumpkins based on different things, uh, blocking people from moving pumpkins or upgrading pumpkins to higher values, all kinds of different things. But it's not just pumpkins. Since it's Pumpkin Patch Bad Seeds, they're like these spooky ghoul pumpkins and they're monsters and they're ghosts and you've got the ravens that come in to block pumpkin movement and play and it's just a really neat little card game. I feel like this is the most Halloween themed game on our list. 100%. Yeah, so if you're really wanting a cute, fun, Halloween themed game that you can play with, I would say you could play this with as young as like an eight-year-old too. Probably. And so it's it's really fun and easy to learn. It's quick to play, and it's a little bitty baby box. We need to play it again. It's been a while since I've played a, actually a lot of the games on this list, and this is one that I really think we need to get out soon again because I want to play it again, and now it's Halloween time, so it's perfectly fitting, and also the artwork is amazing. I know uh, last year we talked about we should put the, have this on the podcast because we, we finally played it in November, then we're like, oh, wait, it's November. Yeah, it was just it was all over the place for us on that one, but it's really fun, and uh, yeah, that's number nine. Number eight is the Arkham Horror LCG, or Arkham Horror the Card Game. 
So this is another one of those games that gives you the woo. I think so, yeah. Arkham Horror LCG is one of the newer LCGs from Fantasy Flight. Basically, you're building a deck or uh, pre-constructing a deck beforehand, and you're starting into a campaign of spooky Lovecraftian stories, and it's just very fun. It is, and I like that you get to play the character as well, and you get to develop your character as you go, and so it's a little more immersive than other games on the list. I think so, yes, because like in your deck, everybody has a weakness, and it's a weakness is, I'm scared of this, or a weakness is, I have a bad foot. I don't really know all of them because I haven't played enough of it to really grasp them all. But it's really interesting that it has that kind of stuff. And yeah, you can basically, if you're, you know, if you're playing the, uh, oh, it's the the witch kind of girl with the book, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. You can upgrade, oh, well, maybe this ability of hers, this card that allows her to do this, maybe she got better at that. And maybe you're able to get rid of this other card you don't want. And you're slowly improving and changing your character. It's a very, very cool game that I feel like throws in just enough roleplay elements to keep it more interesting, but I think it's a good one with the stories and stuff that you're playing through and the campaign. It's definitely a fun one. And it's short enough of a campaign that if you started it this week, you could finish it if you just played it like once a week by the end of the month. And you can play it by yourself. Yes. Coming in, that was number eight. Oh, we've got two left for this episode. Rolling in hot. going through pretty quick. Number seven is Ghost Stories. This one is one of the most difficult cooperative games I've ever played. We have never won this game. I've never been able to beat it. I want to get the app. That way I can try to figure out how to win. But essentially, you are playing four, if you have a full full group of four, but you're playing Taoist monks fighting off ghosts protecting the town. The ghosts come in different ways. You have to move around, fight the ghosts, do other tasks, try to stay alive. It's a very fun game, I think. I really love just the look of it, the feel of it. I hear the expansions are worth it, but they're hard to find. I, I really want those. But I really like Ghost Stories. It's just the fact that I can never win the stupid thing. So this one is scary because of how difficult it is. That's part of it. <laughs> that and it's ghosts attacking your town. But it's really fun. Like Even though we haven't won it yet, we still want to play it. What it makes me think of, and I talk about this a lot, that one of my favorite things that never happens in movies, ever. Every once in a while, I just want the bad guys to win. That's it. But in Ghost Stories, this is the game where the bad guys always win. And it's like, I just want the one time for the good guys to win. <laughs> and it has the more of that feeling than any other co-op I've ever, ever played. And I'm big about that in movies, though. Like, how many monster movies would you love it if at the end, the monster hunter gets there and the monster actually kills them and then it just ends with that monster staying alive? That would be awesome in most scenarios. You'd be like, oh my God, well, what's next? And like, it would make people want more and you wouldn't have to do more. But I just, every once in a while, I want that. I want the bad guys to win. <laughs> I just think it feels good. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's ghost stories for me. I, I feel you. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so I, I don't know if I want the bad guys to win all the time because I'm a too pure at heart. You know, uh, I'm going to spoil, should I spoil a movie? Yes. Okay. How long has it been since Midsummer came out? Uh, let me look it up. I want to spoil an element of Midsummer here. It's been a couple years. Okay, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say for the next, I'm going to make it quick. Next 30 seconds, if you want to watch Midsummer, skip the next 30 seconds. I'll tell you when. That way I can spoil something within Midsummer and you can skip it if you want. So it came out last summer, so I think we're good. I think we'll be okay, but I'm going to say skip the next 30 seconds starting now. Okay, for those of you who stuck around, 
and what care to hear it. Midsummer, honestly, is the movie where the bad guys win. They convert the main girl, Florence Pugh's character, to stay with their cult. Everybody else is dead. The bad guys won in that one. They're not necessarily bad guys, but like they're the people causing a lot of harm in a way because of our outside perspective. Yes, there's cultural bias and all kinds of things woven into that, but in a very simplistic form of view, that movie fulfills that. So does the main character become a bad guy? I don't know. I'm going to end. I don't know if that's 30 seconds or not, but I'm going to end the spoiler section. I said 30 seconds. I think it's up. (laughs) (laughs) But yes. So there you go. That's something I want to throw out. All right. For the last, by last, I mean number six, which is the last one for the list of this episode, we have Lovecraft's letter. Now this one is a spin on love letter. So... But it's very different because uh, I know that love letters had a lot of reiterations like the uh, revamped style, the Batman love letter. But Delton, tell us a bit about how this one is different than the traditional love letter. So not only is this one also Lovecraftian themed, which I feel like honestly, so many Lovecraft themed games are out. Now we have Lovecraft Country on HBO, which we still need to watch. Uh, it's just an easy theme to be like, boom, this is Halloween. It's spooky. It's scary. It's giant creatures and monsters. But Lovecraft letter takes love letter and adds a sanity element to it as well as some cards that cause negative effects and some of them if you draw it it like immediately does something bad and so it just kind of adds a little bit of chaos to the game a little bit of randomness and i don't know there's just something very interesting about how it functions in that like you don't want to draw too many chaotic cards you you know but you still have to have them and play them to win like There's just a different element to it. It also is a fancy version with like, you know, poker chips and sleeves and the cards are huge and it's in a nice little box that looks like a book, but it just changes everything up a bit. We have an episode on it, I believe. And we should have said this with the LCG. I feel like anything that has the, or has elements of the occult is Mm -hmm. definitely great for giving you that spooky vibe. 100%. And anything Lovecraft definitely has that. I think so. Well, that's going to conclude the first five games on this list. I will make sure to hold on to this list. <laughs> Where are you going to put it? Uh, just on my desk. I've got, okay. I don't have anything on my desk, really. Are, so. are we leaving it on your desk? So yes. we're going to have this in the podcast. So okay. if Delton forgets yep. where he put his list, yep. it is in the podcast. Well, here's the thing. If my soldering iron comes in tomorrow, oh my God. I will be soldering probably my little macro pad, most likely. That means I might have to move some stuff around, but I will make sure it stays at my desk, even if it's under my desk mat in the corner or something. Okay, so guys, Delton has officially passed the marshmallow test. I did. So if you're not familiar with the marshmallow test, it's been replicated a million times on like news channels and whatnot, and the research suggests that it supposedly tells a lot about a kid's uh, impulse control, but the research is really mixed in the last 10 years or so. Anyway... The marshmallow test, you tell a kid you can have one marshmallow now, or if you wait 30 minutes, you can have two marshmallows later. And so the kids are sitting there with the marshmallow in front of them, and apparently if they they eat the first one before uh, the 30 minutes is up, and then they don't get the other one. Well, Delton's been wanting a soldering iron. He's like, can I get a soldering iron? Can I get a soldering iron? Can I get a soldering iron? That's all I've heard for the last four and a half years, it feels like. Accurate. Um, Really, it's only been a couple months, but still. And so I told him, I said, okay. You can get the $15 soldering iron now. This one's on Tuesday. Or you can wait until this weekend and get the $80 one. $70. $70 one, excuse me. With the solder, it was about $80, $85. With the solder, it was like 85 
And so, guys, for like four days, I thought Delton was going to crack and get the $15 one. I, I just, I thought it was going to happen. But you know what happened today at three? I got it. He got to order the $85 one because he waited. Because I begged you so badly. <laughs> because I'm like, look, I got three different projects to solder, all keyboard related, and I can't without a soldering iron. So, yeah. And I'm going to point out, it's not that Haley controls my money, because <laughs> this <laughs> really sounds like it. We have a fun limited budget, and this is outside of the budget because it's... Because Delton has pre-spent his fun budget for a little bit. Yeah, I've got everything planned out to where I can't spend any of it. But also, this is a tool that if something messes up and breaks and I learn the basics of soldering, there's things I can fix and repair in the house. You know what I mean? So I, it's a skill that is probably smart to learn. And if I'm going to be using it for some keyboard stuff and I plan on using it for a lot of keyboard stuff throughout the next several years, um, it, it can potentially come in very handy to have. So. And I can't say much because I spent a quarter of my fun budget this month on pumpkins. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Well, those are the first five games. Let's crack this beer before we move into the topic. So the next beer for this episode is, again, from Mountain Fork Brewing. I think, what is this, the third? Yes, because we did Sneaky Snake. Right we did there. The, the Rooster. rooster and now snake. this is what? Three Rivers Blonde Ale. It says... 4% alcohol by volume. It's a baby beer. Uh, that's it. It's just a blonde ale. No details on flavor, profile. Which they've been really solid so far. They really have. The beer is very, very hazy yellow, almost golden, but not quite. There's a little bit of sediment in there. I cannot see Delton through this like no. a fly in amber that's 45,000 years old. Right. Mm. It's got a nice light smell. The head looks like Dawn dish soap. Like whenever you're doing dishes mm -hmm, and you fill mm -hmm. the sink, it looks just like Dawn dish soap foam. It's got a little bit of that, like, almost like there's a little bit of wheat in there. Oh, have you already tasted it? Yeah. I'm still smelling it, man. Okay. Slow your roll, hopscotch. We're connoisseurs here, not gluttons. That, that tang that you smell, that little bit that you smell is in there. Very light. It's not a crisp light, though. It's a foamy, it's a carbonated. Very. And it's more tangy than a blonde ale. Generally, like a usual yes. blonde Th ale. This tastes more like they have, it's almost like they took a wheat beer and then put some other malt with it, you know? Right. It, it's a little, a uh, little malty, almost, almost a little hoppy mm -hmm. for a blonde ale. I mean, it's good, but yeah. I wouldn't drink this and say, oh, that's a blonde ale. I would drink this and no. be like, this is a Frankenstein, which is why it's Halloween. Oh. <gasps> There you go. I would I would drink this and think it's probably a wheat beer, to be honest. Like, or at least pretty close to one. But it's not bad. It's a good tasting beer. It's pretty solid. It's not my favorite blonde, but I also am a big fan of Belgian blondes, and this is just a blonde. It's not a Belgian style blonde. There's no orange peel. I don't think there's any coriander. There might be a little coriander, but I don't know. If you're such a fan of Belgian blondes, why did you marry a German redhead? There you go. Hey. So let's move into the topic. Hey. What can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. So for the topic today, we thought about talking about one of our favorite mechanics that sort of fits into scary games, I guess, which is the traitor mechanic. And by scary, I mean like anxiety provoking. A little bit. Just worried about everybody. So this is why things that are scary are often exciting. 
is that our brain interprets those emotions differently based on different situations. It's the same reaction in the brain, excitement and fear, yeah. but it's just how our brain interprets it. Um, so, for hmm. example, that's why roller coasters are so fun because our body's like, oh, this is terrifying, but our brain is associating with, no, this is like bright yellow and we're all waiting in line for it. This, this is exciting. Mm. They've done studies okay. where uh, people, um, researchers will ask people out either on roads or on bridges, uh-huh. and people who are on bridges will say yes significantly more often. Really? Because they're associating the fear with the excitement of the other person. Oh. So that's why whenever you see like scary movies or like mm-hmm. spooky things, you have that fear, but it's also exciting because you're like, woo, it's pumpkin time. Okay, that makes sense. That's cool. Yeah. Never thought about it that way. Again, with the woo emotion. Yeah, the woo. <laughs> well, so today's trader mechanic, I'm going to point out three games that, aside from Among Us, that are probably the biggest trader mechanic games I know of that a lot of people play. Battlestar Galactica, which is out of print, sadly, and hard to get a hold of, but if you want to play it, it's very fun. Dead of Winter, which is a spooky-themed game because it's zombies. It's been around for quite a while, and there's also a second version and an expansion that adds a bunch of stuff. And our friend Isaac made it. Hi, Isaac. Boom. Isaac did make it. Great game. And Shadows Over Camelot, which is also out of print, and I don't know if they're going to be bringing it back ever. I kind of hope they do because it's a good game, but it also, it's Knights at the Round Table. Somebody is bad in that game. Maybe two people, I think, depending on the play count. And I feel like our Oklahoma accent is getting in the way. It's traitor mechanic, not traitor mechanic. Yeah, T-R-A-I-T-O-R, traitor, not a trader where you're trading goods. I feel like whenever we talk about the trader mechanic, traitor mechanic. (laughs) We got the trader mechanic. I'm going to trade some wheat for some wood. I'm going to trade some mechanic for your... Mechanic. There you go. But the trader mechanic is a great, great aspect in board games. Essentially, somebody is sabotaging all of these games. Any game with a trader mechanic like that has a way for the trader to fake helping the group. They can legitimately help the group, but they can also do certain things that actually sabotage it, but they're doing it by faking being good, if that makes any sense. And there's something about that. Something about when you start, I mean, the minute you start the game, you're analyzing every little thing someone's doing, watching everyone's plays, trying to figure out, all right, why are they doing that? This is obviously more efficient. Is it because they don't recognize this is the better play? Or is it because they're trying to play worse to make sure we lose because that means they win? Like, analyzing all of that, there's something about that that's so much fun. You're skeptical of everybody. and You're you are. constantly problem solving. Yeah. It's so much fun. And trying to determine people's motives and not being able to trust, building up that trust. Oh, it's fun. And it's on such a a micro level. It really is. It really is. Because essentially, everybody's doing the same thing in the game. But there's like one thing that they can do to sabotage. Everything else is the same. It's just, are they doing it in the best manner? And I think that's what I like so much about the way that board games present traders is If you play Battlestar Galactica, everybody is trying to get the ship to jump away from the Cylons. Everyone's trying to shoot them out of the air. Everyone's doing all of this. It's only when you do those checks where you put in the cards of different colors for points that someone could put in like the wrong color and deduct stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's only one real element where people can pull away. Same with Dead of Winter. They could put in junk instead of food in the food pile. They could go somewhere just to get the place flooded with zombies. But they're not doing anything different. Like, the food pile is the only way. Shadows over Camelot, they choose, am I going to put a catapult or am I going to put, you know, draw a card, whatever. And that's the only way that they actually sabotage is by hiding cards or playing cards face down to ruin things. 
They're very small. Everybody can do the same thing, but who's the one doing it wrong or doing it intentionally bad, badly? And I don't know. It's just, it is, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. It is. And I just love the, like, like I said, the microcosm of anxiety mm-hmm. and you, that excitement that you feel when you figure somebody out or you call somebody out. Yeah. And a lot of times I feel like the trader mechanic games are a lot more immersive as well because you are, because ha- I, I feel like with games that don't have the trader mechanic, you play your turn and maybe there's a little bit of group discussion if it's a um, collaborative game, yep. but that's about it. But with the trader mechanic, you have to pay attention to everybody's moves the whole time. And so you are way more engaged in the game. I should say that pretty much all of the trader mechanic games we're talking about are cooperative or what they call a semi-cooperative. Semi-co-op is when somebody's a trader, cooperative, everyone works together. Because there are games such as, you know, uh, Werewolf, Mafia, Avalon, Secret Hitler, where there's a group of bad people, potentially, or, or one bad person. And the whole point of that game is trying to figure that person out. But that's more of the social deduction hidden role. And it presents itself as a different format than an actual like trader mechanic within semi-cooperative games because everyone's trying to work together in, in cooperative games, but when there's one person that's trying to somehow derail this train, that's when, that's when this different level comes out. Yes. I don't know. It's just a great mechanic. I don't know what else I can say about it, but I just love it. So everybody, be traders to your friends. Be skeptical of everybody. Yep. Trust no one. Exactly. Exactly. So before we go to the question, do you want to go ahead and do our shout outs for the episode? We can go ahead and do the shout outs. So let's do the shout outs for the episode. There you go. That's a big announcement. I like Thank that. you very much to Allison, Alan, Jesse, Catherine, Jennifer, and Cliff. These are the amazing Patreon backers that support us at a level in which they get a shout out on the podcast. They are so spooktacular. Spooktacular, too spoopy for us to handle. Also, thank you for Jennifer for sending me book recommendations. Ooh. She sent me so many book recommendations, and she also sent me like some follow up Wikipedia articles that have uh, it was some information from our episode 69 about the, the commies. Yeah. And so I appreciate her, and thank you so much. They have been the books have been added to my Christmas wish list. Nice. And congrats on the move. Yes. Because it's super exciting. I. I sent her a house that's like absolutely massive. And I was like, you guys have to buy this house. That way we can all fly in and there can be like 30 people and just have a game day weekend. Jennifer Con. Yeah, Jennifer Con. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> yep, it would be our own Gen Con. But that's okay. But yes, thank you to you Patreon backers for helping support us. If you want to be like them or even just check out our Patreon page to kind of see what we're about, even though I haven't updated the typing in a while, it's still, I believe, all applies. It is patreon.com slash malthousegames, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S games. With that all being said, let's move to the question so we can wrap this up. And now, join us for a Malthouse Games podcast special, Bite Size Question. So the question for today is nice and simple. Since we're only going to be watching scary Halloween-themed things this month, it is what is our favorite scary movie? Haley, what's your favorite scary movie that I laughed at? So, I can explain myself, but it is Scream. Thank you. The original. The original Scream. One, because it is a clever parody of scary movies that is both funny, calls itself out on the BS, and scary. 
But also, it was it's the first scary movie, aside from Night, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. That one doesn't count, because that's more of a Christmas movie, I think. Uh, it was the first scary movie I remember watching, and I have a story about it from college. What's a college story? So, I am kind of a weenie when it comes to scary movies, which is why something like Scream is my favorite scary movie. Weenie Hut Jr. <laughs> I'll have you know, I stubbed my toe last week while watering my spice garden. I only cried for 20 minutes. Yep. So anyway, that's probably why Scream's my favorite scary movie. But uh, I was in college, and I always hide under a blanket when watching scary movies. We decided, uh, my roommates and I, to watch Scream. We got, I think there were four out at that point. And uh, my friend kept making fun of me, making fun of me, making fun of me for hiding under the blanket because I was scared. And I said, okay, you know what? I texted her number to my sister, and my friend had, my roommate had, like, really long hair that she was playing with, and uh, we were on the fourth story of the dorm room, and I texted my sister. I said, okay, call this number and tell her that you like her hair and hang up, and so my sister does. She calls in the middle of the, the movie, and my friend goes, hello? My sister goes, I like your hair and hangs up, and my friend jumped on top of the couch and started screaming and looking out the window. And so I will never forget that. Anytime I watch Scream, I think of that, and I was like, payback. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was the, well, probably the best prank I've ever pulled on somebody. Haley had me watch Scream for the first time, and I just laughed the entire time at all the ridiculousness of it. It's just such a goofy movie. It is, but it's kind of supposed to be as well. That's true. But I honestly can't talk very much about how goofy it is because my favorite is definitely Evil Dead 2. Which is basically a remake of the first one it, with what's his what's his face? Uh, g- 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 you g- ask g- me, and I immediately blank. We have his doll over there. Yeah, I have. I have from that move from the first movie. I have him, uh, or maybe it's the second. I think it's the second. Um, oh my gosh, Campbell, Bruce Campbell, Bruce Campbell. Thank you. I was like, I can't come up with that name right now. Anyway, it's a the first half of that movie is like remaking the first movie, kind of. And then it splits off on its own. And then the third movie remakes the ending of the first movie. And this like redoes it. I don't know. But the Evil Dead trilogy is my favorite horror movies. One, two, and three. The second one is the best. And then I think the first one comes after because of how goofy it is. But also the practical effects were amazing. And then the third one I think is the third best. So it's kind of fitting. But it has all the great one-liners. Like the Hail to the King baby and all that. The second one is like, okay, let's remake the first one, but let's pretend like Bruce Campbell has been on steroids and working out and aged 10 years past high school, but let's put him in high school <laughs> and let's give him a chainsaw as an arm. Well, the, yeah, the second one, the first one was like, he was a very, very bad actor in the first one. And then the second one, his acting was improved a bit. Like he wasn't as scared of everything. He was more of like a badass role, but it felt but he was like... also like 28 playing amongst 17-year-olds. I mean, that's true, but still. But yes, I love the Evil Dead trilogy. I loved the remake of it, actually, as well. But Evil Dead 2 is by far, I think, my favorite. Anytime we have a Halloween party, I generally just let Evil Dead 2 play in the background and just let it loop on TV because it's so good. But yes, that is my favorite scary movie. There's a lot more that I like. I think we both do, probably. Yes. Especially me, but there we are. So yes, if you want any recommendations for scary movies, I have some I like, but I also have not seen a lot of classics. So yeah. And I have Scream and Scream 2 there and Scream go. 3. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap this episode up. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Malthouse Games podcast. If you would, please give this podcast a five-star review on iTunes or anywhere else that you listen to it. Cinco, foof, five. Thank you so much. Of course, for our international <laughs> audience. I mean, that's 
That's not a bad idea. In like four other countries. (laughs) That's true. But yes, make sure to do that. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe to our podcast. It comes out every two weeks on Sundays at noon, 12 o'clock on the dot central U.S. time. If you would, make sure to follow us on all social media. We are at Malthouse Games. You can find me personally at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K. You can find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-E-K. That is at Squirrely Geek. If you have any sort of questions for us, games for us to look at, topics you want us to cover, questions to answer on the episode, anything like that, you can always send us an email, contact at malthousegames.com. I honestly think that's everything. I always feel like at this point in the podcast, I say, I'm forgetting something. What am I missing? We did the shout outs. We did all the stuff. Talked about some games. Talked about some games, some beer. I just think that my brain always goes, you need to keep going. Talked about how awesome your ponytail is. It's really high today because I laid down and it pushed it right on top of my head. It makes you like three inches taller. It's great. It does. Now I can finally say I'm 6'3". Uh, <laughs> high five. High five. Oh, oh we God. forgot our clink, 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 clink. Okay. I mean, we clinked for the beer. We'll clink for the games. Clink we, for the games. We like these five games. They're our top 10 horror games. Hey, it works out. But yes. Thank you again. That's going to wrap up the Malt House Games podcast, episode number 76. Make sure to tune in in two weeks to get the second half of this list. And until then, make sure to watch plenty of spoopy, spoopy movies and scary stuff. And just have a great beginning of, I guess, like middle of fall, beginning of winter is coming. And I hope you experience a lot of woo. Hope so. So so (laughs) until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We'll see you folks later. Bye. Bye.